Since I am unlikely to see any of you tomorrow, let me just take a moment to wish you a happy Independence Day. I hope your holiday weekend is off to a great start and will be even better tomorrow on the actual 4th of July itself. Given that tomorrow is Independence Day, it seems only appropriate that we talk about freedom this morning. But while we'll be celebrating our national freedom tomorrow, freedom from tyranny, freedom from government without representation, freedom, well gosh, all the freedoms that the 4th of July represents to us as Americans, there is a different kind of freedom that I want to talk to you about this morning. After all, as Christians, even more than we are American citizens, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And that citizenship, citizenship in that heavenly kingdom, brings with it its own and very different freedoms. It's not freedom for self-government, but freedom to serve the one true king. Not freedom to pursue our own desires, but freedom from being controlled by them. Not freedom to make our voices heard, but freedom to hear the still, small voice of God himself. The list could go on. But there is one specific type of freedom that we have in Jesus that I want to focus on today. But in order to really explain that freedom, I need to set up for you an image of what it is not. So imagine with me for a moment. A stay-at-home mom drives a minivan full of crumbs, forgotten papers, and lost matchbox cars. She is uh, in the line, in the, uh, in the pickup line at the school, and there's a minivan right in front of her that might as well be identical, down to the crumbs and probably even the singing toddler in the back seat. But there is one difference between that minivan and hers, and that is a bumper sticker on the back bumper that says, my child is an honor student. Well, this mom sees that bumper sticker, and it seems like such a small thing, but she feels her heart kind of clench a little bit, and just the tiniest edge of panic. You see, for this mom, the most important thing, the thing she wants most in the world, is for her kids to have good lives. And for that to happen, she believes they need to succeed at everything. And at some level, at some level, she feels like if they don't succeed, well, what that really means is that it's her fault and that she will have failed them as a parent and that all that she has given up in order to make this possible for them will be a waste. If they don't succeed, what it really means in her mind is that she hasn't succeeded. So she is always pushing more, trying harder, and investing more of herself than she feels like she has left to give for the sake of those kids. But it never feels like enough. Are you imagining that mom with me? Can you imagine the weight she carries, the burden of this all the time? And how it colors her understanding of herself and the way she interacts with her children. 
and just how worn out she is by trying so hard and never feeling like it's enough. Are you imagining that? Now I want you to imagine another mom with me. This mom is at a different stage of life. Her kids are grown up. She and her husband are very devout Christians. In fact, they're so devout that they are invited to other churches periodically to speak and to lead worship and to teach. This mom has it together. Her ducks are in a row. In fact, this particular Sunday, this mom is at just such a church where she and her husband have been invited. And her husband will be leading worship, and she is teaching the rector's forum. Well, like a lot of guest teachers, she gets up there in front of everyone, and she introduces herself, and she introduces her husband, and she talks a little about their family. But you see, she can't just stop with a little. She's so proud of her kids, so she keeps going. And she talks about how her kids are so grown up, and you know, one of them is doing great in medical school, and the other one, well, she's chosen a different path, but she is flourishing. She is a backup dancer for world-famous singers, travels the globe with them, is friends with these famous, famous people. She might drop a few names here and there. And you know, this young woman, in spite of that, she still loves God, and she is telling these singers about Jesus. What a testimony. This mom talks so much about her kids that at least one person leaves at the end of the rector's forum feeling like, you know, I think she cares more to boast about her kids than to boast about her savior. Now, I use the examples of mothers and their children not because that's the only example out there, but because honestly, I once went to a rector's forum like that, and I was the person who left thinking that very thought. But to be honest, the reality of these imaginary mothers and their children is just one scenario out of many possible ones like this. Because it could be, instead of parents and children, it could be people in their careers, or their hobbies, or their finances, or their faith, or really any area of their lives. Any area where we feel the need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, to prove our worth or validate our identity. The areas where if we succeed, we are so proud of it, we just can't seem to stop talking about it, like the mom and the rector's forum. Or if we fail, well, you know what? It feels like we have failed in every area across the board. Perhaps these are even areas where no success is ever really enough. These are areas of our lives where we feel a deep, deep-seated sense that we have to make it. We have to find the strength, and the courage, the energy, whatever it takes. Because if we don't, well, it's almost unthinkable. We have to be able to do it. And when we succeed, well, honestly, there's nothing we're more proud of. If you have a part of your life that feels like that to you, and let's be honest, most of us do, then no matter whether you feel like you are failing or succeeding, that thing, whatever it is, has you trapped. Ultimately, it defines you in your own mind. And 
whatever that thing is in your life, what it really boils down to is pride. That's not, I'm not talking about the sort of natural and appropriate sense of satisfaction in a job well done, or the joy you share with a loved one in a triumph in their own life. No, this is the pride and the pressure of needing to justify your very existence. It's a pride that will rule your life. It will tear you down with doubts and fears. It will distract you from other good and important things in life. It will ruin your relationships with boasting or shame, feelings of superiority or inferiority. It will amplify your pain, steal your joy, and poison your pleasures. But here's the good news. Remember at the beginning, I said we were going to talk about one of the great freedoms we have in Jesus. Well, freedom from that pride is one of the most freeing things he gives us. Jesus gives us the freedom to be humble. Jesus gives us the freedom to be humble. The freedom to live into the truth that we don't have to be enough. And we were never made to be enough on our own. The freedom to value, to find our value in something we can't change. The love that God has for us. We talked about what the trap of pride looks like. Well, let's take a look at that freedom of humility. And to do so, I want us to look at our gospel reading today. In it, Jesus chooses 70 of his followers, he pairs them up, and he sends them out on a journey. They're going to travel ahead of him, living as itinerant evangelists for a little while. Now, a couple weeks ago, my husband and I went on a journey of sorts. We took a long weekend and flew up to see his folks for Father's Day. Now, let me tell you, I made all sorts of mental lists for packing for that trip. So clothes, you know, we need X many shirts and shoes, and we need shorts and maybe some pants because Connecticut's colder than Nashville, and you know, there's a list that goes on and on. And then you double that list for the toddler because toddlers are tiny mess machines. And that's just the clothes. Then there's toiletries and toys and, and so on and so on and so on. Well, the packing list for these disciples is a little bit shorter. In fact, the list is nothing. Nothing. They aren't even allowed to take money or shoes, only the clothes they are wearing. That doesn't sound like a recipe for success to me. If they were going into this feeling like they needed to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, well, Jesus didn't give them bootstraps to pull on. This trip, though, isn't about demonstrating their value to Jesus, their strengths, or proving themselves able to do this. This trip is about learning they don't need strength. This is a trip to free them from all that pride and self-reliance, pride in their resourcefulness or skills, and show them the incredible freedom of humbly relying on God. They have no other choice than to rely on God. Jesus hasn't allowed them anything else they could rely on. So what happens at the end of this crazy trust exercise with God? They come back rejoicing. Not only has God provided for all their needs, not only has he protected them and fed them, but God has worked powerfully through them on these journeys. 
They have even cast out demons. They are thrilled and awed to see the power of God at work in their lives in this way. But even still, even still, Jesus points them back to humility. He says, in essence, and this is the Caroline Osborne paraphrase, don't get caught up too much in the power and authority you've been given. Don't feel special and important because God worked miracles through you. Instead, feel special and important because you belong to God. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The foundation of their worth, the foundation of their sense of self for their perception of their own life, success or failure, is that they belong to God. They have been given eternal life through Jesus. Their relationship with God means more than all the rest of it combined. Besides, all the rest of it, all that comes from God anyways. Their survival, even the wild successes of this incredible journey, are all just one aspect of God's work in their lives. There is nothing for them to be proud of here because the accomplishment isn't their own. All of it comes from God. The real joy is not in success, but in being known by Jesus. St. George's is a church that is known for being full of successful people. You and I both know, though, that not everyone here feels successful, whether or not the world sees them that way. You and I both know that there are people here who feel like failures in one area of their lives or another. And you and I both know that even for those who have achieved incredible success in the eyes of others, for all the blessings that that success can bring, it can bring excruciating pressures. Perhaps there are some of you here who fully live into the freedom of humility that you have in Jesus. And if that is you, I am frankly overjoyed for you. Embrace that wonderful, life-giving certainty that your worth untouchably lies in the hands of your Savior, that he has given you his righteousness, and that the things of this world will pass away, but that his love for you will last into eternity. I know for a fact, though, that not all of us present live into the freedom we are given. And I know that because I still catch myself buying into the lies of pride and self-reliance time and again. If you're like me, and this is a freedom that you sometimes forget, I want you to take this gospel reading for the incredible encouragement and even challenging reminder that it is. You have nothing to prove. Your existence is justified by your Savior on the cross, and your worth is found in his love. Rejoice, for your names are written in heaven. This is my last Sunday sermon of my time here at St. George's. In fact, the last time I've even given this sermon here. And if I can leave you with one last message, especially this 4th of July Sunday, it's this. Remember that you are free with a freedom greater than that that any political entity can ever give you. You are free to be humble. You are loved regardless of your circumstances. And nothing you do, 
success or failure will ever change that. Amen.